to Totalus Rankium. This week, Glorious! Hello, and welcome to Roman Emperor's Totalus Rankium. I am Jamie. And I'm Rob, ranking all of the Emperors from Augustus to Augustus. And this is episode 71. It's Honorius. Hey. Okay. <laughs> Again, like his brother, Arcadius. He's so bad, I've forgotten his name. <laughs> well remembered, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've not heard good things. No. But no. You, you did mention in the last episode that sources might be slightly more biased towards Honorius than his brother. Possibly, maybe not. <laughs> but I know, what did you say? You said last week a good phrase, the midden is hitting the fan. Yes, the windmill. The windmill, sorry. Yes. <laughs> um, to describe uh, the, the west at the moment. Yeah, we'll, we'll go through that, we will. And See, um, I remembered. Uh, you did, well done. I listened to the episode. Good. And it's, you might be surprised to learn, going to be a long one. Yeah, that confused me. Yeah, but we'll find out why, because okay. it's going to be a long one. Let's just jump straight in, shall Wait. we? So this is Honorius, who is the son of Theodosius and Flacilia, or Flacilia. Again, still can't pronounce her name. Flassy. Yeah, mummy. Yeah. Yeah. He was born in 384 on the 9th of September. Oh, that's not far from now. I suppose it's sort of a month and a bit. Yes. A month and eight days. Yeah. At time of recording. <laughs> His mother died when he was only a year old. Oh, yes. Didn't she die giving birth to somebody else? Yeah, well, it was either giving birth or just complications in childbirth. So dying whilst yeah. giving birth to somebody else? Well, possibly, or maybe. Oh, sorry, not childbirth, just pregnancy is what okay. I meant to say. Yeah, all right. Yes, something oh, involving like... another child. Yeah. I'm getting to seem like alien. <laughs> yes, maybe it was an alien scene. Yeah, so, um, all very sad. Mum's dead. Yeah. But, ups and downs for baby Honorius, because shortly after this, he was made consul. That, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wise one, tell us your policies. Yeah. So, it's a hectic start to his life. And then shortly afterwards, in 387, Honorius's father got married to the sister of Valentinian II, Galla. Ga- Galla. Yes. Oh, we mentioned her, yes. Yes. If you remember, the sources say Theodosius only agreed to fight Magnus Maximus when he saw Galla. And went, yeah, yeah well, I'll do it if you, uh, you know. Set this uh, way. Yeah. Which we don't think is true. But what we do know, that Theodosius and Galla have a daughter together. Aww. So Honoris has a little sister called Galla. Just to confuse it even yes. more. Galla Placidia, we are going to call her. Now, I did mention her last week. I refer to her as Galla the Younger. Yeah. I told you to box her, because she comes up again. Okay. Well, yes, Galla Placidia. Put another box around her. She's definitely coming up again. So, all the stuff with the war against Magnus Maximus happens. And then Arbogast is given charge of the West, yeah. and is given Valentinian II to look afterwards. Honorius would have been too young to understand any of this. However, things start to impact him when news comes through that Valentinian II was dead. Suicide. Honest. <laughs> his father, Theodosius, making sure that it was clear to all that he saw his family as the rightful rulers, elevates Honorius to Augustus at the age of eight. That's quite young. It's quite young, but certainly not the youngest. No. No certificate for Honorius. No. He's in the running there. Yeah. And then Gala dies. Which one? 
the old one. Okay. So Stepmommy is dead now. That's a shame. Theodosius then beats Arbogast in the war, and then he becomes sick. <coughs> Honorius, who at this time was living in Constantinople under the guidance of Rufinus, is called for. Hello. He's got to go west to Milan, ju- just in case. Daddy's <laughs> ill. You might be needed. Take this purple rope with you. Yeah. Don't worry, I'm sure it's going to be fine. But take this with you. <laughs> so Honorius arrives in Milan to find a very worried court. The Bishop of Milan, Ambrose, was still dominating things politically. But it was Theodosius's most trusted general and advisor, a man named Stilicho, who was placed in charge of the young emperor. Yes, he was. Um, which kind of de facto made him pretty much emperor, right? Yes, I see. You're grabbing your notes from last week. In a different book, so that's the old one. But I found it. Yeah. In the West. It says right there. Yeah, that does. Yes, if listeners, if you just imagine a notebook with the word Stilico written on it. In a box. Yeah, you can you can pretty much see what we can see. But he always values half Vandal, wasn't he? He said a Vandal mum. Oh, well done. Yes. It says there. I'm yeah. not, that's not memory. <laughs> well done for writing it down last week. Yeah. So there's no chance of him being an emperor, so that's probably why he's sent over there to look after yeah. the young one, because no one would follow him. Yeah. Um, something to do with peace with Persians. He marries his niece, which is a bit weird. <laughs> no, no, he marries Theodosius's niece. Ah, okay. Yeah. And he dies Honorius until... He becomes the age, yeah. and he's in his 40s. Yeah, good recap of Stilicho there. No problem, thank yeah. you. And now we're going to leave Honorius, because just like his brother, Honorius does very little himself, but an absolute ton of things happen during his rule. <laughs> yeah. So we're now going to look over the lives of two people we introduced last week, Stilicho and Alaric. Oh, he was the goth? Yes, Leader. King of the Goths. Didn't you need my notebook for that? No, no, that was good. Yeah, yeah. Yes, so Stilicho and Alaric and their off-again-on-again relationship with each other. <laughs> Love, hate. Yes. Frenemies. Yes, that is a horrible word, but strangely apt. So, as you just recapped, Stilicho is the general that impressed Theodosius enough that he was put in charge of peace talks. Yes, he was. With Persia. And then he married into the royal family, not his own niece, but Theodosius's niece. Good. Yes. Just to clarify. <laughs> yeah. It's a very positive thing. Definitely what, don't want to make that mistake, do you? Oh, no. no. Been there before. <laughs> so, him being half Vandal meant that he was open to the racism in the Roman culture. But he was doing all right for himself. Yeah. One night, in 395, Theodosius was on his deathbed. Yeah. He calls to see Stilicho. Stilicho, my general. Everyone watches Stilicho go in the room. A while later, he comes out. The emperor is dead. Unexplained death. <laughs> well, it, everyone's expecting this. He was on death's yeah. door. Yes. But, sir, he only had flu, but his, his throat's been slit. <laughs> Quite a hacking cough. <laughs> so, obviously, everyone asks Stilicho, what was the emperor's last words? What did he say? And Stilicho responded that Theodosius had asked him to rule in his son's stead until the boy came of age. And everyone nodded. This made sense. Everyone saw that coming. But then Stilicho went a little bit further and claimed that Theodosius had told him to also rule the east as well and look after Arcadius. Now, if this was believed at the time, it's generally seen as an alternative fact nowadays. <laughs> but who knows? Maybe yeah, yeah. it was. We just don't know. <laughs> but why? Why would Stilicho claim this? Power? 
Well, it depends on your view. Opinions on Stilico have varied throughout history, and you're going to have to make this call at the end. Oh. Is Stilico a power-hungry general who was trying to take over the Empire, or was he a loyal Roman who was trying to maintain the fragile stability that Theodosius had created? Why well, is he a crap job from last week? <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. So just keep half a mind on that. Okay. But either way, there was one person who was having none of this idea that Stilico was in charge of the East as well as the West, and that is Rufinus in the East. Yes, looking after Arcadius. Yes. Realising that he wasn't just going to be invited to rule the Empire, Stilicho starts to rule the West. He starts by reaching out and forgiving all that held office during Arbogast's rebellion. If you remember, Arbogast and his puppet Emperor Eugenius had tapped into the anti-Christian feeling and started to promote pagans. Yep. So, Stilicho reaches out to these pagans and says, you know what, we're not going to do anything against you. This move of reconciliation by Stilicho relieved fears and helped to ease tensions about the transition between Theodosius and his son Honorius. So, not a bad start there. Yeah, not bad. Quite sensible. However, not long after this, news comes through that a large band of Goths were heading for Constantinople, led by Alaric, who had recently fought alongside them, but was slightly miffed because he was used in Operation Human Shield. (laughs) I don't like that position in the (laughs) army. So, Stilicho, realising the East has little to defend themselves, since he had all the troops, (laughs) decided he'd best go and help out a bit. So he takes the army to the Danube region, and he starts tracking down Alaric and the Goths. Alaric was busy pillaging the countryside and small towns, and he had to be stopped. Stilicho, if you remember, has fought against and alongside Alaric before. So you could argue knows him well. No, no. No, not, not in that not, way. Not in that way. No. Knows his ta- tactics. Yes. Yeah. No. Knows his style. Yeah. Everything I'm saying now. Everything. Is <laughs> Interesting you say that. Though. Oh. No, I don't think. <laughs> I don't think that was ever insinuated. But you heard it here first. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> there were definitely um, fears later on that Stilicho and Alaric are a bit too close for comfort. But I don't think anyone's ever suggested they were that close to comfort. Okay. <laughs> Hold me. <laughs> but War is barbaric. You can make up your own mind at the end. I've made up my mind. Yeah. <laughs> so, Stilicho and Alaric start manoeuvring against each other. No full-blown fights really going on here. And Stilicho's quite good at this. It was not long before he managed to pin down the Goths. But, according to some sources, Rufinus, through Arcadius, sent orders for Stilicho to return the eastern troops under his command, and himself to return to Italy, as mentioned last week. Now, this is probably not true. (laughs) Stilicho probably realised that fighting Alaric just would not be worth all the deaths and the struggle. Far better to deal with Alaric politically and try and recruit him into the army at some point. Yeah. And another factor, which I completely missed last week is uh, that Stilicho's wife and children were in Constantinople at this time. That's going to be a bit of an incentive, isn't it? True. Yes. <laughs> Probably at the bottom of that letter from Rufinus, <laughs> telling him to go back to Italy. By the way, Marjorie says hi. <laughs> P.S. Your son comes over <laughs> regularly to play. <laughs> He's got lovely little hands. It would be a shame if he lost them. <laughs> And your wife has a beautiful tongue. <laughs> yeah, just things like that. Yeah. yeah. Creepy dude. 
Oh, I don't like Louis Venus this week. <laughs> <laughs> Which is possibly why Stilicho set out the plan that he did. Because he sent the Eastern troops back under the charge of, if you remember, Gainus. Who, yeah. when getting to Constantinople, assassinates Rufinus. Yeah. In that cunning assassination plan of, as soon as you see him, charge at him with lots of knives. That's the one. Simple but effective. Oh, yes. Stabby, stabby. Good old stabby, stabby. He wasn't yeah. messing about. Nope. <laughs> no. <laughs> tell the meeting with Stilicho and Gainus was a short one. <laughs> Just one thing on the blackboard. Yeah. Big knife. Yeah. Any other ideas? I don't think we need one. Do it. Okay. So, Rufinus is dead. If this is an attempt to get power in the East, it failed because Eutropius, the eunuch, took over. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, Ooh. yes. Yes. I listened to that bit again this morning. Oh, did you? Yeah. Did you wince? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. We apologise to all our listeners who didn't heed my advice and skip ahead. What, one guy, what, what, some guy was telling us eating something, so I was halfway through eating a... Meatballs? Oh. oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Let's say it was meatballs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> anyway, Eutropius is now in charge of Arcadius in the east, and Stilicho heads back to Milan. And this is when, get ready to go, Ah. Oh, Ambrose dies. Oh. Poor Ambrose with yeah. his religious persecution ways. And his horribleness. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Ambrose dies at this point. Nothing exciting about his death, I'm afraid to report. Do we even know how? Uh, natural causes. Causes? Natural causes, I think. Yeah, so. He was, he was the entree. Yeah, so it's um, okay. a bit disappointing, but he's dead. And Stilicho lost one of his allies in the process, because Ambrose, Stilicho, yeah. they got on all right, no doubt. So it's a powerful man down. So, Stilicho realises it's time to shore up some of his power. It was time for the 14-year-old Honorius to get married. <laughs> and who better to marry... Than his daughter. Than his daughter, <laughs> yes. His daughter, Maria. Now, this no. is not actually that hard to do. If you remember, Stilicho's already married into the family, so his daughter was actually the first cousin once removed of Honorius. Oh, this okay. isn't a marry some random person. This is someone who Honorius could possibly yeah. have married anyway. True. So he just makes sure that happens. We're not certain of the age of Maria, but it looks like she was around the same age as Honorius. About 14. About 14. 15, that kind of age. Yeah. So everything's nice as a wedding. <laughs> yeah, everyone hummed that for a while. <laughs> really awkwardly. <laughs> yeah, but other events were spoiling the festive mood. So the raging horde of goths trying to break in in the background. Yes, that's exactly oh. what it is. <laughs> so love, lovely white wedding. <laughs> just in the distance, out of focus, just a sort of blur. You'll <laughs> <laughs> scream and occasional person shouting, this really is a stereotype. <laughs> Why don't you get to know us? We're lovely. Slay his throat! Yes, Alaric and his goths were roaming around the Danube region and in Greece. Stilicho decides it's time to go and sort him out once and for all. Now, as covered last week, Stilicho enters Greece without permission of the East. Ooh. Eutropius had a thing or two to say. Yes. Why are you in Greece? <laughs> You're not planning anything, are you? <laughs> yes. And after fighting Alaric for a while, Stilicho suddenly retreats. Well, that's good. I mean, that, that 
lends itself to the fact that he's more loyal and just trying to keep stability rather than power crazy. Ah, you've forgotten the potential reason why he retreats. Oh, to let the Goths just decimate. No, if you remember no? from last week, which you clearly don't. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Eutropius had been working behind the scenes and had written to Gildo in Africa. Ah. Gildo suddenly revolts. Sestilico yeah. has to get back to Italy to deal with this revolution. Possibly. That is just one theory. The other theory is that he didn't particularly want to fight Alaric, or he couldn't fight Alaric, or like you say, maybe he just didn't want to annoy the East too much. Or the, they couldn't deny their feelings anymore. Well, Alaric and Stilico. Yeah. That was the rumour going around. <laughs> yeah. Either way, Stilico retreats to Italy. Now, Stilico cannot afford to lose the grain that Africa provided, but nor could he risk going all the way to Africa himself to sort it out. Yeah, his pos- yeah, his position's a bit too precarious at the moment. So, Stilico looks around for a man who hated Gildo more than anyone. I'd like to think that he actually set up an interview. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> show them a picture. What do you think of this man here? <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't particularly like his face. You're not good enough. Next. <laughs> what do you think of Ross Smash? <laughs> You'll do. What's your name? His name was the amazingly named. Mezcazel. Mezcazel. Yes. That's a great name. Yeah. Stilico asks Mezcazel to fill in his form after deciding he hated Gildo more than anyone else and noticed, oh, it says here that you're you're Gildo's brother. Yes, yes, that's right. (laughs) Mezcazel is Gildo's brother. They had cruel parents, didn't they? (laughs) They really did. Oh, Oh, unfortunately, I didn't write them down, but there's a about six or seven children in this family. Wow. All of them have brilliant names. <laughs> oh, wow. I was looking at the list. Yes, but it wasn't a happy family. Apparently not. <laughs> no, they'd had a serious falling out not too long before in Africa. And rather than the usual just not inviting Mezcazel around for Christmas that year, yeah, Gildo had gone the one logical step further and exiled Mezcazel and killed his children. Uh, oh, <laughs> Yeah. Ooh. That's, could I guess, a bit extreme? A little bit extreme. Mezcazel, I can only assume, was just kicking his heels in Milan, really angry, when he saw an advert go up. Do you hate this man? Yes! (laughs) Yes, I do. (laughs) More than anything. (laughs) I'm like, nothing more than to chop his ears off. Yes. So, Mezcazel, itching for revenge, heads off to Africa with an army. Is is he used to ruling and running an army, though, or is he...? Well, he's part of the ruling family okay. of Africa. Gildo and his family have been ruling Africa for a while now. So he's got he's used to being in charge. Um, I don't really know, to be honest. Let's see how successful he is, then we'll make that decision. Okay. <laughs> so, off to Africa he goes. We don't have many details on the revolt, but we do know that Mezcazel had troops from the north. The Danube, the Rhine. These soldiers weren't messing about. They were used to fighting. <laughs> You fought every day. You got up out your tent. You had to fight your way to the porridge. <laughs> then, oh, I've got the sugar. Then fight your way to the sugar. <laughs> yeah. Barbarians in the way all the time. <laughs> really was quite tricky for them. But it got them well trained. <laughs> yes. The, the troops in Africa, however, less fighty. Okay. Yeah. So although the African troops vastly outnumbered, the troops of Mezcazel. It appeared that generally the better training and the better discipline won out. Mm. And Mezcazel wins. Uh. Gildo runs. 
he decides to go to Constantinople, where he could meet up with Eutropius and they can hatch a plan. However, Gildo's boat was caught by bad weather and he was washed up on the shore of Africa again. Oh dear. Which is <laughs> not what you want. Just Mezgadas on the beach tapping his foot. Yeah. Hi! <laughs> See you next Christmas, Mezgazal, or not. Hey, hey got any more children, have you? <laughs> hey. Oh, it's raining. Well, Mezgazal wasn't actually there on the beach as much as he would have loved to have been, I'm <laughs> oh, sure. Yes. Gildo attempts to flee again, but is then captured by some locals and thrown in a cell. Okay. Gildo then realises that the game is up. So he hangs himself before his brother can get hold of him. Uh... So, wow, do Mezgazal... You have beaten down the revolt. The grain's still going to Italy, so he returns to Italy triumphant. The crowds cheer this new general who had saved them from starving. Mm. Stilicho, relieved at the outcome of the short war, goes down and meets him in Rome. And there, they go for a short walk, discussing what had happened and the future of Mescazel. This oh. sounds really ominous. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why he's saying <laughs> And it was whilst they were discussing Mezgazal's bright, bright future. <laughs> so where do you see yourself in five years? <laughs> oh, do you? <laughs> <laughs> well, perfectly expected. Anything can happen. Well, this is when, tragically, Mezgazal slipped and fell off a bridge. <laughs> Stilicho, in bits, obviously, reports this tragic loss of life to the people of Rome. <laughs> I recover the body. Sir, did he fall on any swords on the way down? Because that's quite a few puncture wounds. As he was falling, I tried to skewer him so I could get him back up, but it failed. <laughs> Alas. And then when he was in the water, I thought the best thing to do is let him sink, so I put some holes in him. <laughs> so poor Mezgazel is dead. Stilicho, however, has a revolt put down, and a very popular general is no longer a problem. Ah, yes, Stilicho, a little bit worried that Mezgazal's fame was outstripping his here. So, at some point around this time, Stilicho then goes to Britain for a bit. Why not? That's where all the best people go. Yeah, off to fight the Picts, and he might have ordered some repairs on Hadrian's Wall, we're not really sure. Uh, Sources are a bit sketchy here, but that kind of happened. And then things look up for Stilicho when news comes through that Eutropius in the east has overplayed his hand and oh, yeah. died. Yeah. Or been exiled, we're not sure. But he's not in charge anymore. So Stilicho, now perfect opportunity to go east and finally unite the empire, as is his dream. However, I was going to say, I don't think that happens, is it? He's a bit too busy to do anything about the power vacuum in the east because he was north of the Alps fighting back a barbarian invasion. And this is when Alaric springs into the story. Dun, dun, dun. Hello. <laughs> Good day to you, sir. Get a jewel. Now, if you remember, Eutropius had given Alaric a position in the army. Yes. Yes. Technically, Alaric is now a general. <laughs> yeah, he is. However, Eutropius is now dead or exiled. And Alaric realises that it's only a matter of time before all those supplies that his men have been receiving are going to dry up. Uh No one else liked him, and he knew it. (laughs) He'd lost his one ally. So, it was time for him to attempt to get something for his people from the west, since he was hitting a dead end in the east. Let's try his luck with Honorius for a while. So, Alaric invades Italy. Ooh. For the first time. 
Okay. Oh, yes. <laughs> in 402. Now, like I say, technically, he's still part of the Roman military at this point. So he's a usurper. So, oh, you could say that. No one's under any illusions what this was, though. Alaric was heading straight for Milan. Oh, no one even bothers with Rome anymore, do they? <laughs> Funny you should say that. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> Alaric heads straight for Milan, where Honorius is. Honorius, hearing this, wants to flee to Gaul. <laughs> Be safe. Let's go over the Alps. Stilicho's in Gaul at the moment. Let's go to Gaul. But he was advised that it would actually be safer to stay in Italy. Sources are a bit unclear here. He either stays in Italy waiting for rescue behind the walls, or he fled to a number of different cities evading capture in Italy. I think either's likely, isn't it? Yes. He generally just does his best to hide. And by this time, Stilicho was rushing to the rescue. With whatever troops he could get hold of. Gallic and British troops, mainly. Taking a big chunk of British troops away from Britain. Oh dear. Just just keep that in mind. Okay. Is that... Okay, yeah. (laughs) So, Stilicho meets up with Alaric at Palentia. It was time for the battle to finally commence. These two have been skirting around each other for a few years now. Yeah. Time to fight. But not today. It's Easter. The Goths, Alaric's Goths at least, were Christian. Okay. Stilicho was Christian. Fair enough. It's Easter Day, the most holy of days. Mm, Therefore, the the Goths were not expecting an attack. No one's going to fight on this day. Stilicho, however, had other ideas and took the Goths by surprise. Ooh. That's what I said. Ooh, that's... Ooh, you big... They're all busy hunting for Easter eggs. Yes! (laughs) You got you got a few of them dressed as giant bunny rabbits. Yeah, just having a great time. Yeah, and... Easter egg decorating competition. Yeah, the Easter bunny grudgingly joining in. He's still sore about the whole Nicene thing. Well, yeah, it would be. Yeah. So in comes Stilicho, and the Goths are defeated. However, Alaric is not captured or killed. He's out hunting eggs at the time. Yes, Alaric manages to retreat with a fair number of his troops still. Note that this is now the third time this episode that Stilicho's had the upper hand, but not destroyed Alaric. That's, that's, that's what I mean, though. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know. And they popular. That's what plays when they see each other over the battlefield. Yeah. <laughs> battlefield just slows down. And they just stare at each other. Stilicho just has a little heart on his two hands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so a year was spent with the two manoeuvring against each other. And again, Stilicho was able to bottle up the Goths, and finally another battle takes place. We don't know any details about this one, apart from the fact that Stilicho wins again, and again Alaric escapes. This time out of Italy into Illyricum. So well done, Stilicho, he's defended Italy. Yeah. All this, Honorius decided, was worthy of a good old-fashioned triumph in Rome. For Honorius or for Stilicho? For Honorius. Of course, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There we go, he's actually popped up and done something. (laughs) Honorius goes down to Rome to celebrate a triumph. (laughs) Aren't I brilliant, boys and girls? (laughs) So far, I've written three lines of notes about Honorius. Yeah. Yeah, There'd be a bit more. A bit more later. (laughs) When he dies. There's a bit more now, in fact. Oh, okay. Honorius and Stilicho discuss where Honorius is staying. Obviously, he's staying in Milan at the moment, Milan being the capital Mm. of the West. But it's decided that Milan's actually a little bit too vulnerable. Wouldn't it make more sense if they moved the court somewhere else? Now, if you remember quite a few episodes ago, Severus II's episode during the Tetrarchy, Mm. Severus II hides in a city that's very, very well defended. 
And it's Ravenna. Yes. Ravenna's got a natural swamp around it. It's very, very hard to get into Ravenna. It's like Lake Town. Yes, a bit like that. So it was decided that it would be best all round if Honorius goes to stay in the very safe city that it would be hard for anyone to take. And this paranoia was well justified. Because it's not long before more trouble erupted. The Goths were invading. Again. (laughs) This was not the sort of practically Roman by now Alaric Goths that had been marauding around Roman territory for so long they were essentially part of the furniture by this point. This is a new group of Goths, non-Christian Goths, led Ooh. by Radagaius. That's a great It's name. a good name, isn't it? Radagaius. They were coming across the Danube. This was good old retro invasion, like the good old days. <laughs> yes. Yeah, even had the animal skins on. Yeah. Rather than armour. Yeah. <laughs> Wooden swords. Still saying... Really is a stereotype. Yes. <laughs> well, perfect good armour in the back of the tent. Raddy, Raddy, do we have to wear this? Yes, we do. Pipe down. <laughs> Keep up appearances. Radagaius. <laughs> now, come on. Come on, Timothy. <laughs> Bring the china. So... This invasion stretched Stilicho thin. He was forced to keep pulling troops from other places in the west. Britain in particular was looking a bit thin on the ground by this point. Now you said in the last episode that someone declared themselves emperor in Britain. Ah, yes. So I'm guessing it came about through this. Yes, you're on to something. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of grumbling going on on the island province at the moment. Happens a lot. <laughs> yes, it does. We do tend to grumble. Maybe this is when we started. But it's always grumbling not to their face, though. No. Sort of like under your breath or to the person next to you and you touch and roll your eyes sort of thing. Yeah. People were angry, but they very much bottled up inside anger. Yeah. Yeah. Until the age of 60 when you die of a stroke. Yes. So, Radagaius, back to him. He sweeps into Italy, and again Stilicho was forced into fighting. But again, Stilicho proved a master at manoeuvring. Seems to be very good at that. He is very good at this. It's his old strategy of not fighting, but out manoeuvring and boxing up the enemy. Stilicho manages to pin Radagaius against some mountains. (laughs) His army, not (laughs) just him, hand on throat, (laughs) against a cliff. Got him! (laughs) Yes, he essentially manages to siege the Gothic army camp, pinned up against the mountains and starve them out great strategy though yeah he was then able because he hadn't fought them once they finally give in he was able to recruit most of them into his army brilliant yeah when all the other soldiers thought of that we'll get to that oh brilliant (laughs) (laughs) as you have noticed there is a big influx of gothic troops going on yeah yes it's more the gothic army now rather than roman army yes but he needed all the men he could get because Things were about to really get bad. Oh. Oh, yes. In the winter of 405, 406, it was cold. So cold, in fact, the Rhine froze over. Wow. Which happened fairly regularly back then. But what didn't happen fairly regularly was that the biggest influx of barbarian tribes the Empire has ever seen crossed the river. Because I guess they could just skate over it. Yes. (laughs) Come on, lads. Skits on. <laughs> la, da, 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 da. Yes, Goths, Alans, Vandals, Quadi, and all other sorts of tribes. I guess because the natural border's gone, so they, yes, can just... they can just wander over. Let's go. So Woo. off they go, they do. They all cross en masse and enter Gaul. This is such a huge invasion, it never is actually put down. Oh, really? No. It takes a while for it to finally bring the West down. 
but this is very much... So this is the beginning of the reasons why the West fell. One of the one, one of the reasons. One of the reasons. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes it is. <laughs> At the time, a small force of Franks, who had steadily been making the area their own, tried to put up a bit of a resistance. The Franks at this point kind of wanted to keep the Rhine area for themselves, so they were doing Rome a favour. But this invasion was too large, and it looked like Gaul was going to fall without immediate intervention from the Empire. Things are looking very dire. Yeah, Maximinus dire. <laughs> yes. And this is why Stilicho chooses this very moment to declare war. <laughs> it's about time. On Constantinople. What? what? Yeah. <laughs> Did he know? <laughs> <laughs> Is that the response? <laughs> you where? <laughs> so you, you put the wrong name down on the form. Did you read the letter? <laughs> Roger's been back and forth like fifteen times today alone. Yes, this is a bit weird, isn't it? But it does actually make some sense. You're gonna have to explain it. Oh yes. So he didn't just declare war on Constantinople. What he did is he demanded that Dacia and Macedonia be given to him. These are two provinces in the Danube region. Mm-hmm. Lying between Italy and Constantinople, which currently belonged to the East. If the East did not hand them over, he was prepared to fight for them. But why on earth is he doing this? Some more soldiers to fight. He wants a bigger army. Ah, yes, that is one theory. This is a really good recruiting ground for soldiers. So one theory is that he was just trying to get more soldiers. Now, as I said earlier, you've got to decide whether he is just a power-hungry general or a loyal Roman trying to... Mm. steady the ship. On the power-hungry side, people claim that this is obviously evidence that he's just interested in taking from Constantinople. He doesn't care about the outlying provinces in Gaul. Mm. He just wants to be in charge. However, a more popular theory recently is that this is Stilicho thinking ahead. He realises he needs more troops. A lot more troops. Unfortunately, there were lots more troops inside the Empire. There was an entire army, one that was battle-hardened, experienced, and ready to fight immediately. Can you think of whose army that is? Honorius's. No, Honorius's army is Stilicho's, and yes, he's got that, but he needs more. Oh, Alaric's. Yes. Oh, Alaric! Yes, he (laughs) realises that he needs Alaric. And on February the 14th... (laughs) He writes him a letter. (laughs) A lovely... well, more of a card. (laughs) Stilicho, realising that he's going to have to woo Alaric on side if he's got any hope of taking on the barbarians in the north. Send him some saucy woodcuts. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. He tried that, it didn't work. So then he went on to plan B, which is he would give Alaric a nice cut of land. This is what Alaric's been after the whole time. He's not been in Rome just pillaging because he wants to pillage. Alaric wants a position in the Roman army and some land for his people. So, Stilicho thinks, fine, I will give him some land. The best land to give him is the land that he spent most of his time in, which is Dacia Dacia and Macedonia. Macedonia. Yeah, Yeah. but he can't give them that land because it technically belongs to the east. Uh... So if he gets it back, then he can give it to Alaric. See, that's quite clever. That is quite clever. And he figures, the East aren't actually going to go to war with me. All I need to do is prove to Alaric I'm willing to fight for him for some land, and I need to prove to Arcadius that I'm willing to fight, and the East will just crumble. Yeah. That's that's what he's betting on. And this begins very well. Silico arranges with Alaric that they're going to fight on side, and they are going to move on Constantinople. Alaric positions himself in the Danube region, ready to attack. 
All he needs to do is wait for Stilico to join him, and then they would march. Together. Yes. Stilico, obviously hoping that this manoeuvring would be enough to scare Constantinople to give in, figures that this is a good plan. This will work. Nothing could possibly go wrong. Now, whenever you say that, <laughs> it always goes wrong. But unfortunately, all of this attention meant that other areas of the empire were being ignored. Oh, dear. And in 407, news comes through that a man styling himself as Constantine III had revolted in Britain and declared himself emperor. To make matters worse, this usurper had crossed into Gaul and started to fight back the massive invasion. Ah, so he's defending Rome. Yes. He's doing the job that Stilicho isn't. Yeah. So this usurper is now the only person actually fighting back the big invasion in the north. See, in that situation, go, yep, you can be emperor. You go ahead. <laughs> well, Stilicho, realising the danger of a usurper, was forced to send some of his men under one of his generals up north to attempt to nip this uprising in the bud before it took off. But this failed, and Constantine III was just becoming more and more powerful and more and more popular. Oh dear. Stilicho finds himself now in a very dangerous political situation. Here he was, about to team up with a Gothic army ready to attack the Roman capital in the east. And on top of that, instead of fighting the barbarian invasion in the north, he was sending valuable Roman troops to fight other Roman troops. And these other Roman troops were the only ones actually trying to fight back the big barbarian invasion in the north. Yeah. So it doesn't look good, does it? It doesn't at all. <laughs> it really doesn't. It starts off so well. You can imagine Stilicho trying to reassure people that this is all part of a master plan yeah, <laughs> to honest. get rid of the barbarians. <laughs> it's, it's, in, it's in my policies. Yeah. I'm not actually going to attack Constantinople. I'm doing it to... Oh, it looks bad, doesn't it? <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> yeah, you really do feel slightly sorry for Stilicho here because you can see all the steps that led up to this point. Yeah. But he's now in an almost indefensible position. He's been overwhelmed. Yeah. It's at this point that people start to mutter that Stilicho... Have you noticed how Stilicho keeps um, letting Alaric go every time they fight? Whose side is Stilicho on anyway? Ooh. It did not help that this is when Stilicho's daughter died. The one married to Honorius. Oh dear. Yes. Realising that not being the Emperor's father-in-law was dangerous at this point, <laughs> Stilicho hastily marries his second daughter to the Emperor. In what can only be a very awkward wedding. <laughs> Barbarians this time fighting in the background. Yeah. <laughs> Stilicho is back in Italy at this point and gets a message from Alaric. Aww. No, not all. Oh. Alaric's not happy. Oh, Tiff. Yeah. <laughs> Alaric's been waiting for nearly a year for Stilicho to join him oh, at this point. I've been waiting here <laughs> almost a year. <laughs> it costs a lot of money to keep his men battle ready, and they were starting to grow restless. Alaric has to keep reassuring his men, it's fine, we're marching on Constantinople, we're going to get the land, trust me. But nothing is happening. You told us this last March. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if Stilicho did not do something to improve the situation, Alaric was unsure if he could control his men. But it was fine went on Alaric. I've just moved us all just north of the Alps, so I'm really close to you now. <laughs> so you can just pop over and give me £4,000 of gold in compensation. That ought to keep my men happy enough not to invade Italy instead of the East. Oh dear. <laughs> yes. Now I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, how much is £4,000 of gold? I'm guessing not weight. No, no, in, in weight. Oh, yeah. it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. Well... 
Historian Thomas Hodgkin valued that as £160,000 sterling. £160,000? That's in 1889 when he wrote his book. Oh! Yes. So I thought, I wonder what that equates to nowadays. So I did a bit more research. A lot. And I found out in 1890, so only one year later, you could buy a good quality riding horse for $200. Pounds. Dollars. Oh. This is just what I found. All right. I couldn't find one. Britain, but in America, you could buy a good riding horse for $200. So you could get a thousand horses for $200,000, which, if you convert that using the current exchange rate, is £160,000. So hmm. I'm hoping that clears everything up for you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. What? <laughs> it's me attempting to tell you it was a lot. Yeah, okay, a lot. Yes. Oh, gosh. <laughs> it was a yeah. lot. And Stilico is now forced to go to the Senate to request the money. Oh, dear. <laughs> Hi, Senators. You know how you've pretty much been ignored for the last hundred years? Just yeah. a favour. Well, it does not go down that very well at all. Well, they just start laughing at him. <laughs> Apparently, even Honorius was starting to get restless with his father-in-law at this point and was not happy about this idea of paying Alaric. Stilico wants to pay the Goths for doing nothing. I used to stop them invading. It's like when you, pay a, when you give a bully your dinner money. Yeah. Your lunch money so they kill you. But don't forget, this This is Alaric that Stilico has been telling everyone recently is on our side, honest. Ah, okay. It, it just really isn't going down well it's at all. It's not looking good, is it? But Stilico is powerful enough that he does get the money. <laughs> One senator, however, announced, this isn't peace, this is servitude. This man then had to go into hiding. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then... On this very thin ice that Stilicho is on, news comes through from the east. Arcadius was dead. Oh yeah, natural. Yes. Natural causes. But young, no one saw this coming. And his son, Theodosius II, was now emperor. One year old? He was one when he was first declared emperor. He's a bit older now, okay. but not much older. Honorius hears about this and wanted to go east straight away and take control himself. Yeah. Stilicho convinced Honorius that as Emperor of the West, he should probably stay here. Stilicho himself would go to Constantinople and discuss whether Theodosius II was the best choice of Emperor. Perhaps, I don't know, maybe Honorius should rule everything, i.e. me. <laughs> yeah, I've done such a good job so far. <laughs> and this had the benefit of freeing Alaric up. Alaric no longer needed to go to the east mm. to get the land. Stilicho could now send Alaric up into Gaul, which would be good because Constantine III had just taken Gaul and Spain. Oh, okay. However, Honorius had started to distrust his father-in-law, and one man, Olympius, good name, yeah, was on hand to whisper in the emperor's ear. While Stilicho was preparing to ta travel to Constantinople, Olympius manages to convince Honorius that Stilicho was planning to put his son on the throne and usurp. Oh dear. On the 13th of August, Honorius went to inspect some troops that were about to head up north to fight Constantine III. Yeah. Once he was there, however, the men revolted and killed as many Stilicho supporters as they could find. Oh dear. Stilicho himself was not actually too far away, and he was inspecting the Gothic troops that had been recruited from Radagaius's invasion. Ah, yeah, so Take off that bearskin. <laughs> yeah. Upon hearing of the mutiny, he quickly organised to do battle. He pulled his Gothic troops together that he had to hand, 
and as quickly as he could, started marching towards where the Emperor was. The Emperor was in trouble. Mm. But then news comes through that the Emperor was actually fine. Honorius was okay. The mutiny was not against Honorius, it was against him. Oh. And all he had to resist was a group of Goths. And that didn't look good. Mm. When the Emperor's on one side with Roman troops, and you're on the other side with Gothic troops... You're no longer fighting for the Empire. You're not. You're really it's not. It certainly doesn't look that way, does it? <laughs> so realising that fighting at this point would just lead to pointless deaths, Stilicho left the camp, headed to Ravenna, and entered a church. Oh. Men came for his arrest. They assured him that they were there to capture, not kill, and Stilicho calmly gave himself up when a letter arrived ordering his death. Stilicho was then executed. Oh. So that's Stilicho. He's been better than, like, over half the emperors we've talked about. He, he's quite good, isn't he's, he? Yeah, yeah, very yeah. interesting story. Yeah. But was he, as the historian Hodgkins asks, a self-seeker or a patriot? I saw him more as somebody trying to protect, more as a patriot. It just came with the added bonus that he could also get a bit of power as well. I think he liked that power and control because he could do it. Yeah. But then the situation is overwhelmed and he's got too out of control. Yeah. He... I, I think it's a mixture of both. Yeah, he, he relied on the Goths too heavily for the political climate to accept at the time. Yes. But, and as you'll see soon, I'd argue that it was pretty much all he could do. Mm. Because, well, I don't want to ruin it, but Olympias is about to be in charge, and he has a different policy. And we'll see how well that goes. I can only imagine. <laughs> and we carry on, because remember, this is Honorius's episode, not Stilicho's. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we just get to carry on. Stilicho is dead. The aftermath of Stilicho's death was bloody and quick. First of all, under Olympias's orders, all of Stilicho's family and supporters were rounded up and killed. Apart from his wife, interestingly. His wife survived. I'm guessing his daughter's married to the Emperor as well. She was divorced. Then killed. We'd, I don't know. I couldn't figure it out. I'm probably saying yeah. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> I know, the wife was kept alive, so maybe it was just male members of the family were killed. Threats. Yeah, revenge threats. Yeah. So, Norris is now free and single again. <laughs> Whee! <laughs> Hanging out in Ravenna, and Olympias enters the power vacuum that Stilicho has left behind. He is a man described as, and I quote here, a man who, under the guise of devotion to Christianity, concealed every kind of wickedness. He sounds fun. <laughs> Olympias was sick and tired of all this pandering to the Goths. Oh dear. <laughs> this is what Stilicho had been doing. How dare he? Rome was for the Romans. So he had a new plan. Build a wall? <laughs> no, it wasn't build a wall. It was time to show Johnny Goth a thing or two. Oh dear. Yes, it was going to be war, not peace. The first thing he did was cut all diplomatic ties with Alaric. Alaric, who really felt like he was getting quite close to getting somewhere for his people at this point. Mm. He'd been working hard just trying to get a bit of power and some land within the Empire to set. Yeah. That's all he wants. He's almost there. He was almost there. He's now back to square one. He's cut off completely. Olympias's next ingenious move, a move just so stupid I can't believe he did this, <laughs> he then decides they shouldn't put up with all these goths in their land. Uh. Hmm. Now, if you think of all the men and women that linked to the ex-army of Radagaius that have now settled in Italy. Men, women, children, yeah. generations, families. 
Yeah, I mean, they've not been in Italy too long, but long enough that they've started to settle down. They've built houses. Yeah. On top of this, you've got all of Alaric's men that may have come away from the army and started settling down. The point is, you've got a lot of Goths in Italy at this point. They would hate to be forced out. Being forced out wouldn't have been too bad. Oh. Because <laughs> Olympias decides on a an oversimplistic solution to the problem of the Goths. Oh, no. Which is all the Goths had to die. Why? I, I don't know. It's just such a stupid thing to do. <laughs> really is. He orders the massacre of countless people who had essentially been fighting for Rome for a while, and simply because they were gothic. So he just turns on them. These people, at least the ones that survived the order of executions, understandably were a little bit miffed. <laughs> Damn him. <laughs> so they decide to defect en masse to the one man who seemed to be looking out for the gothic people. Ah, Mr. Alaric. Alaric. So they all just depart to Alaric. Possibly 30,000 men of fighting age suddenly join up with Alaric, hugely bolstering him. So what Olympus has done now, then? Yeah. He's got the massive onslaught of on the west. The Constantine yeah. III is barely holding back. Yeah. Or trying to. And now he's got in the east a massive... Gothic army. Gothic army. Yeah. Really annoyed. Yeah, the army that Stilicho had just just pulled on side, ready to go and take on the barbarian invasion. Within weeks, Olympias manages to turn that Gothic army against Rome. Oh dear. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, Alaric, much stronger now. Add to yep. this the fact that he's getting a steady drip feed of slaves that are joining him because they can sense that they can be freed. There are a lot of Gothic slaves at this time. Yeah. And also, Alaric is really, really not a happy man at this point. No. For years now, all he wanted was a place for his people and a share in Roman government. It was time to stop messing about. It was time to get that. So he meets with his brother-in-law, Atolf. 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 Yeah, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. I've seen it spout A-T-A-U-L-F, Atolf. I've also seen it spout A-T-H-A-U-L-F, and I've no idea how you pronounce that one. Atulf. I'm just going to go with Atulf. Atulf. Yeah. Atulf. Atulf Atulf seems like the the one that may be lower on the IQ, but far more vicious. That's how he seems, just from that name alone. (laughs) Well, you, you can judge, because he will come back into the story. Okay. Yes. There's a reason I'm mentioning him here. <laughs> These babies alive. <laughs> so, together they hatch a daring plan. In 408, Alaric invades Italy. Again? Again. <laughs> but this time, he bypasses all the usual places, such as Aquileia, Milan, even Ravenna. He just whistles past them and headed straight for Rome. Oh, dear. <laughs> Meeting no resistance whatsoever, because... Who's defending Rome nowadays? Rome, where's Oh, yeah, my, my granddad told me about that. <laughs> yes. Alaric was able to siege the Eternal City with ease. Oh. The Roman Senate, which are still around, <laughs> they're just... Really? Yeah, they're just not doing much. They now essentially run the city. Right. So the Roman Senate, thinking that Stilicho and Alaric were a little bit too close for comfort, and they notice that Stilicho's wife is still alive and in Rome. So what's the only sensible thing to do? Send her out. No, they execute Stilicho's wife. What? What? Yeah, they just... this prejudice against Stilicho that actually he was in league with Alaric. They think that Alaric will somehow care about this. I can only imagine Alaric's response to hearing that Stilicho's wife had been executed. 
And? <laughs> <laughs> they brought the head, so... Oh. Put it with the rest. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so, because this didn't somehow drive Alaric away from their walls, the Senate were forced to send envoys to Alaric. This is the f- first time an enemy army has like sieged Rome, hasn't they? Yeah. Because we had the, the civil war. Mm-hmm. Was it Constans? Where he went over the Roman wall. Constantine marched Constantine. on Rome. That was the it, most yeah. recent one, if I'm remembering but correctly. But he was yes. Roman. This is the first non-Roman yes. I think we've talked about. Yes, it definitely is. Ooh. Oh, yes. So. Yeah, but it can't happen. It's only the sack of Rome happens at the end, does it? I'll uh, find out. What? So, the Senate were forced to send envoys out to Alaric, and they put on a brave show. They would <laughs> give in to the demands, yes, obviously, they don't have any choice. However, mm. they warned Alaric that the entire population of Rome were ready to fight if needed. <laughs> Jeff in the background. Yeah! <laughs> Am I? <laughs> Alaric apparently just found this amusing. <laughs> And simply informed the men how much he wanted. He wanted five thousand pounds of gold, thirty thousand pounds of silver, four thousand silk tunics. Get the idea that by this point they're just adding things to the list. Yeah, five hundred and eighty-two horses, half of a of a chestnut mushroom. Yeah, without the skin. They also wanted three thousand scarlet dyed skins, so red leather. Oh. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> and interestingly, Kinky. this is the last of the five things they wanted. So far, the Senate grumbling, but okay, yes, we can do this. £3,000 of pepper. That was expensive, though. was expensive, yeah. Very expensive. But uh, just got an image of the senators looking at each other. We have £3,000 of pepper. What's pepper? <laughs> well, there's a garum if you want it. <laughs> so the Senate not happy. And one senator asked, If you take all these, what then will you leave for the citizens? And Alaric replied just two words. Their lives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. But this wasn't the real purpose. Alaric wasn't there for the pepper and the gold. The real reason why he was there was to make sure Honorius and his new advisor, Olympius, were listening to him. Look what I can do. Yeah. So he sent envoys to Ravenna to suggest a hostage exchange and military alliance. So he's not demanding from Ravenna the capital, he's suggesting an alliance. That's just what he wants. I want your land, I'll fight for you. Come on. Together, they could go north right now, deal with the Vandals and the Alans and the other Goths, and put down the usurper, Constantine III. I will go with you right now. Honorius, backed into a corner, indicated that perhaps this was a good idea... And Alaric withdrew from Rome, camping further up north, but still in Italy. However, Olympius had no intention of dealing with these horrible Goths. And lay a trap. It wasn't a very good trap. The Goths were easily able to defeat the small skirmishes that happened. Excellent. Alaric, really quite annoyed now, realises that Honorius and Olympius have no intention of honouring any kind of deal. So it's back to Rome again. Again, the city was sieged, and again, envoys sent to Ravenna, saying, seriously, we have Rome in a vice. We can crush it. If we want to, you need to deal with us. You can't keep thinking we're going to go away. Go on, 700 years of history in our hands. <laughs> 800, actually. Oh, 800. <laughs> 800 since Rome was last sacked. 
Oh, 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 wow. Yeah. This was finally enough to break Olympias's hold on power. In his short time as chief advisor, he had proven that his policy of not dealing with the Goths was stupid. <laughs> Stilicho, in retrospect, was doing a very good job now, everyone realised. It yeah. was just a bit too late. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. All this idea of, oh, Stilicho's a bit too friendly with the Goths, we should just crush them. Oh, that's why. We can't. <laughs> so Honorius realises he's got to do something here. He can't fight the Goths. That would leave the door wide open for Constantine III to just walk in. Mm. The troops he did have couldn't be spared. Or if they could, were not just simply not enough to be able to take on the Goths. So it was time to deal. First of all, Honorius, to keep Constantine III happy and not invading, sends him a purple robe and acknowledges him as co-emperor. Fair enough. He then asks his Praetorian prefect, a man named Jovius, who was a supporter of Stilicho, so we're back to the Stilicho faction, okay. to go and deal with the Goths. Talks, however, did not start well. <laughs> because despite Honorius showing that he was willing to deal with Alaric, he also sent 6,000 men to try and secretly enter Rome. <sighs> What's going on? <laughs> yeah, Alaric discovers this straight away. <laughs> Who are those soldiers trying to climb? <laughs> no, get back. Get back. Why are you all wearing leaves? <laughs> we can see you, you know. Oh, seriously. Yeah, only a hundred <laughs> of them survived. Oh, dear. <laughs> and were sent back to Ravana. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Alaric, a little bit miffed, again, <laughs> by this betrayal, was now demanding large sums of gold and wheat to be paid to the Goths every single year. Oh dear. He wanted a general ship in the Roman army, and entire provinces near to Italy had to be handed over to them. This was a huge amount to ask, yeah. but Alaric realised he could get away with mm. it. Jovius was forced to agree. <laughs> yep, I agree with you yeah. censor. <laughs> and he sent the demands off to Honorius just to get it rubber stamped with a cover letter saying, seriously, accept this, we need to accept this. Mm. So Honorius writes back. <laughs> <laughs> He was, of course, willing to pay the money and give the land over. But not the generalship. <laughs> That's just too far. Yes. We don't know exactly how the letter was worded, but apparently it was quite rude. <laughs> I'm not giving that boop generalship in my boop army. Possibly. That mother beep. It was rude enough for Alaric to storm out of the negotiations. Ooh. But then something very interesting happens. Shortly afterwards, Alaric comes back to the table and says to Jovius, I have new terms. Alaric would no longer ask for a command in the army. They no longer wanted grain or gold. If the Romans happen to have some spare, that's fine. But it doesn't need to be annually. Just give us some so we can help set ourselves up. All we are asking for is some land. Not even the land we were asking before. Just give us some land on the Danube itself and we will defend that frontier for you. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty good, isn't it? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Honor us. <laughs> Honorious, even. Yeah, it's like, that's all we want, a bit of land, and we will defend you while you sleep. That is it. It's like when you, in your garden, you get like a cat that keeps something in your garden. <laughs> it's not yours, you don't own it, but it keeps the pigeons away, so. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. This turnaround's very sudden and drastic. Historians have often wondered about it. One theory is that Alaric's looking at the big picture here. He could try and extort Rome for everything it's got and create an enemy for life. 
Or, let's be sensible here, just ask for a small amount and forge a genuine alliance. Yeah. Jovius could not believe his luck and hastily sent a letter to the Emperor explaining what an amazing victory they had just won. <laughs> so it was to everyone's amazement oh. that Honorius rejected the offer. Alaric, probably cursing quite a lot by this point. Probably Jovis as well. <laughs> yes. We have to read the letters together. What? <laughs> Alaric heads back to Rome. For a third time. This time he meant business. Once there, he set up another siege, forced the city to its knees yet again. It's just routine by this point. Yeah. <laughs> the Senate just going, oh God, he's back. <laughs> Quick, shut hide the, the door. China. Hide, hide behind the sofas. No, we're not in. We're not in. <laughs> well, we need a key for the main gate. <laughs> Jeff, look after this key. Don't let anyone in. So, half starved, very quickly the Senate are forced to meet with him. Alaric has decided on a new plan. that If Honorius wasn't going to deal with him, then Alaric was just going to make a new emperor who would. Mm. So, a man with Gothic sympathies, called Attalus, was selected and declared emperor. Attalus. 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 Alaric then started to campaign on the rest of Italy, taking some cities, but also realising politically a roaming Gothic horde doesn't look good if the new emperor's meant to be in charge of them. That's true. So Alaric doesn't do much at this point and lets Italus take charge with genuine Roman troops. The first thing they needed to do was deal with Africa. If you could get rid of Africa, then Ravenna would starve mm. and you'd be able to take Italy easily. However, without Alaric's men, Africa was very tricky to take. Italus attempted a couple of times, but just could not do it. Mm. And because of this, this whole idea of Alaric's doesn't really go anywhere. By 410, Alaric was fed up, his puppet emperor was useless, the Goths weren't quite strong enough to get this done at this time, so he deposes Italus oh. <laughs> and open up negotiations with Honorius again. Okay. Although Italus doesn't leave on bad terms here. Okay. Yeah. Just they, nice pension. They just decide this isn't working, so Italus rescinds his claim on the emperorship. Because okay. he pops up again later as well. <laughs> so, back to Honorius. Honorius agrees to meet them outside of Ravenna. It's been a little while. Maybe he's calmed down, thinks Alaric. Maybe I can finally get a deal here. After all, he has agreed to meet with me. Mm. But the meeting was a trap. Honorius attempted a double attack. A conventional attack led by a man named Cyrus, who was Gothic himself who also had a brother-in-law in Alaric's forces who led a coup against Alaric. Ah. Yeah, quite a nice attempt, if it worked, but both fail. Oh. Alaric just beyond miffed by this point. <laughs> All the chance I've given you. <laughs> yes, he wheels round and heads to Rome for the fourth time. Sen again. He's on his way again, lads. It's coming back, it's coming back. <laughs> This time, he had had enough. This was no longer a political manoeuvre. It was revenge. Although a surprisingly peaceful one, apparently. Because the inhabitants of Rome were informed that if they took sanctuary in a church, they would not be harmed. So 40,000 people crammed into one small church. <laughs> yes. It's really <laughs> tightly packed in. <laughs> so kind of standing on the edge. Just clinging onto the spire. <laughs> yeah. Alec also ordered that no holy buildings be destroyed, and his goths, being devoutly Christian, obeyed. However, outside of these safe zones, anything went. Oh, so they actually got into Rome? It did not take them very long at all to get inside. The gate was opened for them. 
chaff. <laughs> Bloody chaff. He had what? He had that key. One job. He had one job. One job. Do you think they said, right, don't let in for anyone except if it's Honorius, the Emperor, or whatever? Yeah. Then. <coughs> Hello, it's me, Honorius. Let me in. Yeah, I think it went like that. Yeah, they were in in no time at all, proving that Alaric could have gone into the city any time he wanted. Yeah. Yeah. So, once they were in, apart from the churches and the people inside the churches, they could do what they wanted and did. Women were beaten half to death in the street, apparently. Buildings torn down, blood all over the place, general horrible sacking. Rome, which had been depleting in power for quite some time, as you've noticed, was down to blow that it didn't really ever recover from. This is the first time, as I mentioned earlier, that Rome had been sacked in 800 years. That's quite impressive. Yes. Often commented on that this is more of a psychological blow to the Empire, because Rome has no strategic importance anymore. That's a good point. Yeah. It's their history, it's their pride. Yes, their pride's been hit. It's the eternal city. They still describe themselves as Romans. Mm. Yeah, so it's quite a blow. Yeah. But what is less known, however, is how much Alaric and his horde of barbarians really didn't want to sack the city. They really didn't. They really didn't. (laughs) Had loads of chances not to. And by this point, they were very Romanized goths. Do you think they felt slightly guilty while they were doing it? I'm so sorry. Of the woman. I'm really, really sorry. Poke in the eye. Political discussion didn't work. Smash. Yeah. We tried many avenues. Crunch. Reason, discussion, and debate. Snap. Just didn't. Didn't get through. We had so many arguments for and against. Squelch, squelch. Yeah. Crumble. So, yeah, three times previously they'd threatened and not taken the city. But Alaric finally decides that they've got to do it. Oh dear. Over three days, the city was absolutely gutted. And then the Goths moved on. And it took three days, wow. Yeah. But they took something with them, or rather someone. Honorius's sister, somewhat amazingly, was in the city. Gala Placidia. Oh, yeah. Who I mentioned earlier. She was taken and was now a hostage to the Goths. Now, you told me to box her earlier. So I, I'm getting the impression that she's sympathetic. Oh, interesting. We'll find out. Okay. So Alaric and his men then head south. He decided he was going to take Africa. Then he'd be able to control the grain supply, and then he could come back. Yeah. But after a storm prevented his attempt to cross over to Africa, killing quite a large amount of his men, hmm. Alaric caught a fever and died. Oh. His men, devastated, decided there's only one way to honour him. They built a dam... They changed the course of a river, they then buried their king in the empty riverbed, and then returned the river back to its original course. Like you do. <laughs> That's why I want to die. <laughs> and Alaric's body has never been found, and nor has the horde that was buried with him. Oh, wow. So, get digging, folks. Oh, yeah. River near you, in Italy? Then. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. There you go. That's Alaric. Yeah. I is still going strong, though. Somehow, yeah. <laughs> so now I'm going to do something a bit unusual, something I've not done before. Oh, because if you already know Roman history, you might be thinking you are only halfway through Honorius's reign. Really? And yes, I am. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, though, most information hasn't been about Honorius. So, because this episode cannot be four hours long, what I'm going to do is just not going to go into any detail for the rest of his reign. Why? I hear you silently ask for the Why? following reasons. Honorius himself does very little. All right. 
and he's about to get a new chief advisor, a man named Constantius. Constantius will at some point become Constantius III. Ah. And he will get his own episode, and I will be able to pick up this story in his episode from this point onwards, when okay. Honoris is still alive. We do need to cover a couple of highlights of Honoris's rule, though, so here we go. Currently, there is still mass invasion going on up north. Constantine III is still up there usurping. Mm. Spain is looking very dodgy and under Constantine. And Alaric's Goths are now under the command of Atulf, his brother-in-law. Atulf. Things are looking quite bad. They're not as stable as they were, were they? About two episodes ago. Yeah, Rome's just been sacked, obviously. Things are falling apart at the seams. Things have not looked this bad since mid-crisis. Well, in a way, worse. In a way, worse, yes. So all I'm going to say, so nothing is ruined, that is, some of these problems are solved, some of them are not. Honorius has no impact on any of them. Okay. (laughs) At some point, and I won't explain how, Honorius gets his sister, Gala Placidia, back. Okay. Remember, she's with Atulf and the Goths at the moment. Yeah. Constantius, the chief advisor, who becomes emperor, at some point marries Gala Placidia. Okay. And together, they have a son named Valentinian III. (laughs) Who will also get an episode. A while later, Honorius dies in a boring way. Nothing to report, really. He just dies. Oh. So that's Honorius. With a very sort of brief latter half, but you'll you'll see why in the future episodes. See, we'll probably say this with slightly more in-depth talking, but he had more of an impact than his brother did. Because he made stupid decisions like, no, I'm not dealing with you. Oh, yes, he certainly had an impact, didn't he? <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Shall we, uh, shall we rate him? Yeah. Fightius Maximus. Okay, last week we gave Arcadius a point each for the Huns being driven back yes, under his rule. Mm. So, should we give Honorius some points for the fighting that went on under his reign? Well, Silico fought for him and kept the Goths at bay. Yeah. Took potential hazard mm-hmm. and tried to limit that so they could use that against someone else. However, also under his reign, Olympias completely dissolved that and got Rome sacked. So... Yeah, and <laughs> not just that, but another thing. Britain's gone. Oh, oh yes, with Constantine three And Spain. Oh, more, no, more so than that. Not oh. just usurpers. Britain's gone, gone. Now, this is part of... I'll cover this a bit more in the next episode. But in 410, Rome loses control of Britain and never gets it back again. Oh, yes. So goodbye. <laughs> yeah, Constantine III emptying the island for his battles in Gaul was the last the island sees of Roman troops. Oh. The people living there wrote to Honorius, asking for help against the Picts and the Saxons, and Honorius replied that they would have to help themselves. And I will quote, he counselled them to be watchful of their own security. Well, they, well, they did. Later on, I know they, they actually asked the Anglo-Saxons to start coming over. You've got the, the Saxons and the, the others, the Angles. They yes. came over and, and helped out because they said, you know, help us out of these Picts and Barbarians and stuff. Yes, exactly. And that's when you start seeing the, the Anglo-Saxon Britain. Yes, then Angle, Angleland, then England. So, yeah, this is, this is the end of Roman Britain. Oh, that's a bit sad. And now we're starting to actually see bits of Rome fall off the map. Oh dear. Yes. Their world map's getting a bit smaller. Yeah. Mm. And also, any good fighting that did take place through Stilicho is just negated by his losses, really, isn't it? 
Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I would be happy giving one between us. I'm not. I'm, I'm giving a zero. If you want to give him the one, you can. But I think I want to because the, to start with the goths. But then by the end of it, no. So yeah, zero. <laughs> zero. Approvium crazium. Okay, there is a story about Honorius. It's a relatively Ooh. famous one. Quite possibly not true, but I've got to include it, obviously. Yeah. He had some pet chickens. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Next round. <laughs> no, there is more to this. One of these chickens was called Roma. <laughs> Roma the chicken. When Alaric sacked Rome, or Roma as they called it... A eunuch rushed into his master's room to inform him that Roma had perished. Honorius cried out, But just now he fed out of my hands. <laughs> Apparently Honorius was relieved upon hearing that it was the city and not his chicken <laughs> that was in trouble. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's fantastic. So there's that. <laughs> and there's another one regarding his sister. When his sister got back after being held from the Goths for about five years, mm. she then marries Constantius, and then, for reasons we'll go into, that ends. And after that, when his sister is free and single, he is said to have been keen to get to know her. Ooh. Apparently he often kissed her on the mouth, and rumours were soon spreading of indecent acts, shall we say. Ooh, again a bit, um... Caligula-lily. Ooh. Just before Honorius's death... Galla Placidia and her son Valentinian III fled to Constantinople. Some speculate it was just to get away from the advances of her brother. So Valentinian III, son of Galla. Yeah. Who's daddy? We'll go into that. Actually, I did already mention it. You've obviously forgotten. Oh, Cons... No. Yeah, yeah. Constantius. Constantius. Yeah. Are we sure? I don't How know. Fingers did he have? <laughs> I don't think we can give give him credit for that. But there you go. So there's a bit bit of rumour about him getting to know his sister. Oh, some juicy stuff. We've not seen for a while. Always yeah. good. That's some juicy stuff there. And the chicken. Oh. Uh, chicken story. Nice. We've not had a chicken yeah. story for a while. Um, good sane. Um, I suppose he didn't seem insane. There's not much to him. Well, he made him. stupid decisions. I think that's more success the... as Ultimus, though, isn't it? Yeah, oh, yeah, but still insanity. An element of insanity <laughs> in there. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm, I like the juicy story, so I'm going to go for four. Yeah, I'm, I think a couple of points per story there. I think a four is a fair amount. That is a total of eight. Squad higher than his brother already. Yeah. Success ultimate. Okay, good. Do I need to write anything? No, no, I've got something, I've got something. There's a good chance that the gladiatorial games cease under Honorius. Oh, really? Yes. The myth around this is that during a fight in the Colosseum, a monk ran into the centre to separate the two fighters. But all he managed to do was get himself killed. Oh, you would, wouldn't you? Yeah. This sparks off a chain of events that led to the end of gladiatorial combat. Yeah. Which is sad in a historical kind of, oh, the games are over, but in a real human way. Good. No longer hacking each other to pieces for sport. That's quite good. Yeah, that's quite positive. Yeah. So there we go. What's the end of the stadium? Big drive-in cinema. Oh, I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Or a big swimming pool. Because they could flit it, couldn't they? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay, so that's good. <laughs> Bad. 100 years ago, the historian Thomas Hodgkin, who I've mentioned a yep. couple of times, who interestingly is the nephew of the scientist Thomas Hodgkin, who became famous with his work on Hodgkin's disease. Oh, Hodgkin's lymphoma. Mm, that is a completely unrelated fact, but I happened to find that out and went, oh, how interesting. Yeah. Anyway, his nephew wrote the following. 
about Arcadius and Honorius. Ha 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 ha. Ha. Few men have ever, by the force of character or strength of intellect, exercised less influence on the destinies of the human race. (laughs) Glowing. Yes. He then goes on to praise Theodosius, their father, and then says, The dullness of the son's character is so portentous that after a millennium and a half, the muse of history still yawns at remembrance of them. (sighs) (laughs) This book is called The Dynasty of Theodosius, or 80 Years Struggle with the Barbarians, a history written in the Victorian times. It's brilliant. If you're listening and you like reading historical books, get this one, because it's just hilarious. It's nothing quite like reading a history written by a man from the Victorian age from Britain. You get to learn about Romans and the Victorians at the same time. And, you know, why use one word when you can use seven? Yeah. Um, I I tend to disagree with that assessment, though, because I think Honorius had quite a big impact. Not through cleverness, it's more of of stupid things but it definitely had an impact arcadius though he might not have been there it didn't really matter but yeah well it depends how much was it honorius and how much was it olympius but well true i i get the impression honorius starts to actually stamping his authority a bit and when he does he makes ridiculous decisions he's not used to making his dealings with alaric is nothing short of awful i honestly think this might be the worst decisions that any emperor has ever made in this series. Why yeah. did he not give Alaric the land on the Danube? Seriously, he was willing to fight for free, and you throw it in his face. Yeah, It's just... He's had these ridiculous demands before, like 5,000 gold, 30,000 yeah, yeah. silver. Then actually, no, just a bit of land. Yeah, that's all just I need. a farm. Yeah. A few horses for me and my 30,000 army. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll squeeze around the fire in the evening. Be fine. <laughs> We'll take turns on the horse. Yeah. Yeah. So um, because of that, there is no way I can give any more than zero. I, no, I, I can't. He's awful. He's put, yeah, he, he's done, because because of him, an event happened that hasn't happened in almost a century, in a millennium, sorry. Yeah. 800 years, mm-hmm. Rome was sacked. Yeah. Because of him. Because of him. He had four chances, five chances. Yeah. To sort it out. Yeah. And he didn't. It's not good, is it? No. If he was an electrician, he's kind of wanting to get shot like five or six times before he died. Oh, let me try that again. (laughs) That's a bad analogy, but it works. Yes, just just someone not learning. Yeah, Yeah. an idiot. Yeah. Yeah, zero. Zero. Imager, faceless. Okay, what's he look like then? Well, I think he looks like his brother. Thin and pasty. Oh, he's looking at Wiz like the last one. Curly hair, or a hairband. There we go. <laughs> big bags. Yeah. No, they're just big eyes looking upwards. Ah, oh, right, okay. They're trying to be. There we go. Yep, pretty much identical. He's, um, he's filled out a bit more than his brother. He yes. looks a bit more healthy. More of a rectangular face. Yeah. He's got a, quite a thin nose. Big stylized eyebrows. Yeah. Bulk early Roman hair. No laurel hairband, though. No, no. But eyes staring up. It's not terrible. It's not great. It's interesting how... It, since Rome became a Christian society, all the busts uh, look upwards, as in looking towards God. Where before, they all looked forwards, didn't they? Oh, interesting spot there. Mm. I'm impressed. Yeah, I, I'm trying not to be influenced by his story. 
No. If he'd been great and I was watching this, I'd go, oh, good strong jaw. Um, I, I, he, he looks better than his brother did. Yeah. And even his father, to be honest, and Theodosius. I yeah, think. I mean, he's, he got... He's not terrible. His brother got nothing. I, I'm going to give him a good... I'm going to give him a good solid four, I think. It's not quite halfway. I'm going to go for three. I'm going to go for three. Oh, it's awkward to divide. But fair uh, enough. I'll go for four. Will. No, I'll go for four. <laughs> no, no, oh. you keep your three. We've okay, got a spreadsheet three. that does it for us. Okay, so... It's... So that's a score of 1.75 for his Imago-Facial score. Next round. Temple completed. What do you think? Well, he obviously lived, like, lasted longer than Arcadius. Don't forget, he was promoted to Augustus quite a bit later than Arcadius was. Okay, 25 years? Like, sir, uh, sort of time frame? 28? He rules from 393 to 423. Okay, so and 30 years. 30 years. Oh my goodness. Norius does not mess about. He is now in second place. Wow. Tempo completo. Oh my goodness. With a very respectable score of 3.75 for Tempo completo. That's amazing. Well, is he in second place? Hang on, I think I might be forgetting. No, he's in third, of course. Constantine lasted 31 years. So yes. We now have Augustus on 40 years, Constantine on 31, then Honorius, and then Arcadius. The two brothers do quite well in this round. Yeah. <laughs> Just hanging about. Almost unfair, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, that's impressive, and his final score is an impressive 13.5. So you get a story about a chicken and fancy your sister, it bumps you up. That, that puts him just below Maxentius... And just above Alexander. Wow. Which, to be fair, those two were quite rubbish. <laughs> but he only got the scores on length. He got the score on hey. tempo completo and a bit of a probium crasium. But, yeah. well, well you, you do. You yeah. pick your rounds and you go for them. And that's, that's what he did. He decided, I'm just going to last a long time. <laughs> and I have a couple of stories about me. I'll pick up some points. So, not... The worst score. In fact, there's quite a few with a worse score than him, including Nerva. Wow. <laughs> who is uh, one of the five good emperors. <laughs> Detective Nerva, yeah. Yeah. So, um, all that needs to be asked then is, does he have it? Do they have a certain genesis? It's very obvious. Is it? Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm, without being ridiculous, you don't get much worse than this. That's true. I, I know his score is actually higher than quite a few of them, but honestly, I think, apart from possibly Commodus, the way he took a very good empire <laughs> yeah. and ran it into a wall. Yeah. Okay, Honorius didn't take a very strong empire, but he he took a an empire that was just about coping. Yeah, okay. And he made some awful decisions. Yeah, he did. And that makes him historically interesting. But we've had other emperor, emperors like that. And you said, no, you haven't allowed me to give him a Genesis R because of that reason, because they were so bad. We've given a Genesis R to uh, bad emperors before. But they had it because of craziness as well. They had it for another reason. We've never given one just for being rubbish. Julianus doesn't get it because there was no impact. It was just a good story. There was impact on this one. If you had to say the fall of the West is because of one emperor, I would say you'd he's... do worse than Picanorius. Yeah, yeah, I'd say I, I think he's he's one that just nudged it over the edge. We're now on the downhill. Yeah, probably more so than any other emperor. Yeah, so because of that, should he get it? Plus, could you imagine the outrage if we gave Honorius a Macy's Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Some so we of didn't the like... we didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Julian and stuff. 
and Jovian. Um, but he didn't do anything. No, I think you're right. It was Unfortunately, people... it is a case of puppet emperor. You just yeah. can't give it to a puppet emperor, can you? No. Even if he is the most puppetist of puppeteer emperors. That wasn't a word. But you know, I, know what I mean. <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, no, I, I'm no, just, I just trying to give a counter-argument. But no, I agree with you. Obviously, we cannot give an audience. <laughs> that. But hopefully some Liz- listeners' hearts were in their mouths for a while there. <laughs> <laughs> well done, you did it. Mine was. <laughs> yeah. well, no, don't do it. Don't do it. No, that is obviously a no to Honorius. But where next? Oh, yeah, so Constantine three. Yes, Constantine three is going to be next. Okay. Yes. Which we'll be recording in just a moment. That's true. Yes. We also have Constantius we need to do. Yeah. And don't forget, Theodosius two is Emperor in the East. Yes. And there's little Valentinian hanging around now as well. And we're down to the last ten, aren't we, after that? Or the last nine, after all them. Yes, it'll be like about that. So, we're recording two episodes this week, so we'll do a thank yous next episode. Mm. Um, but don't forget, you can download us on Podbean, iTunes and Stitcher. Yes, you, you can. You can also follow our Facebook page, you were on Twitter as well. And also this week... Very exciting. ...started something called Instagram. I've which, literally never used Instagram no, in my life. No, me neither. It took me a, a good car journey to work out how it works um <laughs> were you driving <laughs> yeah that's that's beside the point it's, it's best to leave some minutiae you know yeah um yeah so um we're on that as well which is just another way for us to upload things and but it's just like a really bad version of facebook to be honest you're selling it well <laughs> I, I i am but it's i don't i'm obviously missing something but I, I don't know what i'm missing at the moment i just thought it was like a place to put pictures it is oh, it is. It? that's literally what it is but you can you can transfer them to facebook and twitter oh, easily right. but well, anyway, we'll do that. So if, you, if you're into your Instagram, check us out on that and laugh at the lack of content. No, to force myself to use it, I'm not uploading to Instagram so it goes straight to Facebook. Nice. Any pictures now. Nice. Like it. Yeah. Right, okay. Well, all that needs to be said this week then is... Seriously. What the f***? Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>